0: Hey, this is Carrie from Wrap Your Head Around Silks. (laughs) You wanna say hi at the very beginning? Go ahead, me. Okay, can can you talk? Not when I'm talking? Okay, let's try this again. Hey, this is Carrie from (laughs) Wrap Your Head Around Silks. This is the Expecting Aerialist Podcast. Hiya. Yeah, we got the bean today here say hello. So guys, if you go to the show notes, there is a link to register for the free mini course by Wrap Your Head Around Silks. It's a great way of checking me out as a teacher. Go ahead there if you are interested. Today we have Nikki Jennings. She is from the UK and I found her on the Arrow Mamas Facebook group because she had a post of two pictures, one in her second pregnancy where she could barely fit through a door. And then after that, a beautiful picture of her in the air on her apparatus, just looking like none of it happened before. And I was like, I want to hear about that. I want to hear all about that. And she shares how she really studied hypnobirthing and decided to take that path with her second birth. And she explains all of it and talks about her experience. So I'm so excited for you guys to hear this story. I also give a nice little update on my hip and my pelvic floor PT, if you care to know. I love that I have this time to talk about it and share about it. And uh, let's do it. Let's get started. Finally starting to move out of the um, of, of America a little bit like I had uh someone from Canada recently and yep. then now you this is exciting <laughs> it's I don't
1: I want it to be worldwide so it's very exciting yeah it's really exciting so I suppose my, my story starts my my aerial um stuff came after my children so I've got three children Um, I haven't had any prior experience to aerial arts. Um, I was quite active as a child, so I I did things like gymnastics and swimming, trampolining. Um, It was kind of every night it was a different activity, which is what's tending to happen with my children now. So I'm busy taking them around and also trying to fit in my classes as well. Oh, I love it. And, uh, how, how much after your first birth was that? Um, so I had my, my daughter in 2012, um, just, just under three years later, um, I had my first son and two years after that I had my second son. Um, so with being pregnant and breastfeeding, I felt like I was it was about six years of my life that I spent either pregnant or with with a baby attached to me. <laughs> um, so it's obviously it's a wonderful experience, but you kind of want to get mm-hmm. you find yeah. yourself again and yeah. um, find your own find your own thing that that y- is for you, really. And I think that's really important to do as well. Yeah, it really is. OK, Um so
0: yeah, let's go into any birth story you want to tell or anything around your prenatal postpartum. I I remember that there was something kind of amazing
1: there in your story. So yeah, go ahead and tell your story. Uh, absolutely. So, so my, my three children, um, three very different births. Um, so with the first one, I was kind of just ignored the fact that this child has to come out of you, um, so I just didn't think about it at all. Didn't really do any planning. Didn't do any research, um, and <laughs> I would advise anyone not to do that because um, going in, going in there unprepared, it was it was a really difficult experience. Um, I ended up having an epidural um, with her, and it was a real struggle. So after afterwards I had to have a blood transfusion. Um and it I found that the first few months really, really difficult. Um, just because of of the birth and I, I got um an infection afterwards. Um I didn't really want to stay in hospital um and have the blood transfusion because I just didn't really know what I was doing and Um, I was quite scared, really, and I just wanted to get home um, and be at home, and it wasn't really the right thing to do. So, going into my second pregnancy, I did it very, very differently. Um, I did lots of research, um, and I came across hypnobirthing. Um, With my second child, um, I had what's called polyhydramnios, which means you've got Excess fluid. Um, it can sometimes mean it's a, the problem with baby, um, but not always. And what it what it means is is that you're absolutely enormous. <laughs> um, I didn't really put much weight on anywhere else, so I can only describe my body as. I don't know if you have Mr. Men over in the States, but the, the shape of Mr. <laughs> I don't know Greedy. what that is, but
0: I'm looking at your
1: picture on Facebook right now. <laughs> I pulled
0: up the, the post that I had found you from. So you in the striped
1: shirt, is that your second pregnancy? Yes, it is. Yeah. So it's, it's, all, it's all kind of belly, really, and from the back... I, I, I don't really look pregnant, but from side on, I probably can't fit through a doorway. It's the, probably the best way of describing it. And this picture was taken in your
0: third trimester right before the baby's born?
1: It was in, in the third trimester, yeah. Um, it was, I think it was about a month before, to be honest. A month before? <laughs> yes. Wow. No, okay. You, go-
0: <laughs> you guys, I'll post this picture. She is just sticking out so far in front of herself. Yeah, so you had a lot of fluid. So, so basically yes. the baby had
1: like a pull, sw- like swimming around. Yes. Yeah, so yeah, he was sw- happily swimming around. Um he wasn't engaged. So um the the ri- the risk is is that you're measuring bigger. Um they thought that he would be a very big child, but they they, they do find it really difficult to tell I think with size. They never they never really get it they never really get it right with the measurements. Um, so if anyone's worried about the, the size of the child, I would say try not to, to worry too much because it never seems to be what they say it is. Um. So because I was measuring big and because of all the fluid, if you go into a natural birth, there is there is a risk. If your waters break, um, it's like a real medical emergency. So I went in for my checks because why why does it make it more dangerous um it's to do I think it's to do with something to do with the cord um and I, I don't know if there's more risk of it being trapped I'm, I'm not sure but it was kind of like I was told if your waters break you need to basically put your legs in the air and call okay okay <laughs> Well, is it because the baby <laughs> just has so much room to move
0: and the cord might wrap around the neck?
1: To be honest, I can't really remember the, the fine details. I just remember that I, I knew if my waters broke, Got it, it was a, an emergency and I had to stick my legs in the air. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And so did your water break? It didn't. Um, I went in for a checkup two weeks before my due date and they, they said, we're taking you in now. Um, so it was the, the, it was originally they tried to induce me. Um, so as I said, he wasn't engaged. So they, they turned him round, turned him quite easily really, because there was so much fluid. He was like, you say, floating around <laughs> having a lovely time. Um, so they, they turned him and he just went straight back. So they turned him again and he decided he preferred it the right way up and he wasn't going down there. Um, so I ended up having um, a planned section. Okay. So he was breech, baby. He was. Um, and because, because of the risk that he was born early. But what I decided to do before that, um, before I knew all that, is to look into hypnobirthing. Yeah. Please, please explain it. Assume that our
0: listeners know nothing about it so from the base like basically what I don't even know
1: what it is honestly so hypnobirthing is comes from a doctor quite a, quite a while ago many years ago um he used to birth babies for the rich and he used to birth babies for the poor for people who had nothing They weren't educated. The women wouldn't have been employed, um, living in real poverty. Um, And what he noticed is when he birthed a baby for the rich and educated, there was a lot of pain around the birth. Um, It was wanting to birth in, in bed, lay on your back and when he supported the ladies who were not from an educated background, who didn't have all the, the money around them, it was a very different experience because they kind of got together as, as a community and were really supported. Um, there wasn't the fear that the more educated women were kind of, it was imposed upon them that this is Painful, the ladies that were living in poverty who had that massive support network around them actually gave birth kind of in a more upright position and it was a celebrated, really nice experience. So it's like hypnosis, self-hypnosis. As we've we've all probably seen in some way, shape, or form, hypnosis changes kind of the way you think. And, and makes you act in a different way. So the idea is, is that you work with your body. Our bodies are actually designed to give birth. They're amazing, amazing machines um, that know exactly what to do, and you've got hormones that take over, um, and the whole process happens whether we like it or not. So it's about working with your body rather than against it. So you you practice um, different forms of hypnosis. You can do it on your own or you can do it with a birthing partner. And you're taught kind of the called anchor points. So it's it might be a key word or someone touches you on your shoulder, telling you to deeply relax. So you, you're doing a lot of homework before you actually give birth so that you can kind of get yourself in this mindset. You might choose a piece of music that, that, that acts as an anchor that puts you in this mindset. Um, and it's about focusing on your breathing and um, working with, with your body, working with your breaths in an ideal situation. You would do hypnobirthing at home. Um, you might have a birthing pool at home, but not everybody can, can do that, me being one of them. So I did use elements of hypnobirthing, when, even when I had the section, um, when they were turning baby to co- kind of calm me down. It makes it a, ni- a really nice experience as well because you, you haven't got that fear. I was actually looking forward to, to the birth um, so I'll I'll go on to to my third child where I was able to use the hypnobirthing.
0: Yeah, can I? Is it is it like that? You're just in a meditative state during your labour.
1: Is that what it boils down to? Yeah, exactly. Um, okay. You you can actually you can actually Google it on on YouTube, and it, it's absolutely amazing to watch. Um, this lady's like. With the ch- other children, like running around, they're having a chat with them. They're eating grapes, and then all of a sudden, here comes baby, <laughs> um, and it's just a totally different experience. So, baby number three, I was really looking forward to the birth, which is vastly different experience from my first child. <laughs> Where I'd kind of gone, oh, this is really scary. I don't want to know anything about it. I'm going to not think about it. Um, and that whole experience for me wasn't a nice one. Fast forward to to baby number three, where I'd i had done a lot of research um, and I'd done a lot of practice around the hypnobirthing. Um, and I'll, although I had to go into a hospital situation in the UK, there they're more and more familiar with hypnobirthing techniques. Um, On the ward that I was in, some of the nurses were actually trained in hypnobirthing. So it was really supportive. Um, Because the the idea is is that you don't really want any medical intervention unless it's absolutely necessary, of course. Um, You don't really want any pain relief, that the midwives kind of take a little bit more of a backseat and speak to your birthing partner um, and kind of leave you to it. Um, Because I'd had a section previously, I did have to be on machines to monitor the heartbeat and things like that. Um, But what they did for me is they put me on um, machines that were wireless so that I could get up and move around and I wasn't stuck in the bed um, I didn't use the bed at all because it's if you you want to work with gravity and gravity is pushing down you want to be upright. Um, so, watch after watching a few of the videos on YouTube, it did kind of blow my mind a little bit, and I thought, "Am I going to be able to do this? Is this possible? Um, is it achievable for everybody?" Um, but I went in with an open mind and early on in, in the the birthing process, I was able to use, um, one of the hypnobirthing techniques, which is where you kind of go into your mind and you kind of imagine a dial and you turn your pain dial down. And the idea is, is that it cuts off the pain receptors and I was actually having contractions and I could feel absolutely no pain at all yeah I couldn't I couldn't believe it I was like oh my god look my stomach look my stomach's contracting and I can't feel it (laughs) I was really surprised myself but I did actually manage to do that um yeah it was it was unbelievable um, and especially from thinking back to what my first birth was like to actually how this, the second birth was. Now, there was intervention um, because I, ne- I needed intervention in terms of monitoring and things like that. And I wasn't able to maintain that throughout. Um, but I was just so happy that at, at that point um, I was having strong contractions, but with absolutely no pain at all. Um so I did start to lose it and I was a bit like I was getting a, a, a bit agitated thinking, oh I'm gonna I'm gonna have to have some pain relief. So at one point I, I remember saying, right, I want an epidural and she's going, oh you don't want one. I'm going, I do want one. <laughs> <laughs> I can't take this pain anymore. So she, she said, let's get you in the birthing pool. So I would have got in that sooner, um, but th- the facilities that that they have, they only they've only got so many, and it wasn't free. So as soon as it became free, she she walked me down um, and got me in the pool, and I was able to get back in that zone. Um, and he he came along, and I I I really enjoyed the ex the whole experience from that point. Of, of giving birth, it was just amazing. And I was able to control the pain. Still, still had some pain. Um pain's probably not a ra- the right word to use if you're talking about hypnobirthing, they'd probably tell me off for that. Um but the the this the third birth was a very different experience and I and I really enjoyed it and I I just look back at it and I think wow what an what an amazing thing to have to have done. And it really helps as well with, with the bonding process because the first time I was just, I was feeling so poorly mm-hmm. and so tired and and this this time it was it was just a real joy. Um, so yeah, it's if you haven't heard about it and you're interested in it, please do look it up because it's I would recommend it to anyone it's just completely, completely changed my experience um, of childbirth. Nikki, okay. I'm going to ask you some
0: like hypnobirthing for dummies questions because I am admittedly very uneducated about this. So when I see hypnotists on TV, they've got their subject completely in a state of unconsciousness, right? This is what you see on TV. It's like, magic like they are under somebody's spell can you kind of
1: speak to that myth it's kind of putting yourself in that zone in that mindset that you need to be to be in so nobody's doing it to you um and there's there's different scripts that you can listen to or talk through and you practice it and it just the more you do it the easier it gets to kind of get in that zone and and then like I said you've got the anchor points, so it might be your birthing partner touching your shoulder and saying deeply relax that was one of them that we used or the music that you listen to kind of sends you into that mindset and it's just all about um, envision, you use your vis- visualization um, and they talk about you, your muscles and your stomach and imagining that the ribbons and how they're moving. And it's, it's, it's kind of a really immersive experience that you do, that you, that you can do yourself just with guidance, obviously, from the experts. And when you say anchor point, can you define that for
0: what this is? Because we use that in other things and other techniques and body work and stuff.
1: An anchor would be something that takes you into that mindset. One of the ones that I use was my partner would put his hand on my shoulder and say, deeply relax. And that would kind of trigger my body to go into a big relaxation moment. And it's just by, training yourself almost to do that so that when you're Mm -hmm. giving birth by somebody doing that, your body goes, Oh, I know what to do now. I relax at this point.
0: Oh, I love this idea of an anchor point, even an anchor point in a, in yoga. And I could use that in my yoga practice because, you know, if you're on your mat, but your brain is still racing about everything you have to do that day, yeah, absolutely. You know, if you have a particular anchor point, then it could easily, you know, that could be a very helpful tool to get you back yeah. into the mindset of being present and yeah, where you want to be when you're in a yoga class um, and completely mindful in that moment. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. And I will say again, your voice is just like mesmerizing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> you're, it's completely
0: mesmerizing. Can I ask you, how old were you when you had your first kid? I was
1: 30. 30. Okay. So I was quite, quite an old mom. <laughs> no. Well,
0: okay. You know, I speak to a lot of moms and it just depends on where you live, what the definition of that is, because I have my only, I gave birth to her at 41.
1: Yeah. Oh, wow.
0: Yeah. So it just depends on where you're at because us here in LA, we just wait till the last minute. You know, <laughs> but so you, oh, you amazing. started your, yeah, you started your aerial after you were 30 and, and you've only been doing it for about three years, you said. So it was somewhere like, I at, did. So when you're
1: like 35, no, so I was 35 when I had my third child. Oh, okay. So 18 months later, it was,
0: um, so Oh my god, this is amazing. So you don't even know what it would have felt like to use your abs in this way. No, and before kids. You have no idea what that would be like. Yeah, This is
1: your only normal. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and obviously my, my stomach muscles as well split. Um so I I, they, I also had the section, so they've been cut through <laughs> as well. Um and I, I had some rehab to kind oh my of, my god, yeah, everything pull them back together. Um, so I don't think I've ever had strong abdominal abdominal muscles, to be honest. Um, and I've had to kind of build them, I suppose, from from nothing. Um, it took me; it did take me about six months to, to get the invert. Um, but now, okay, I, my, my body is, is stronger than it's ever been. Um, it's more flexible than it's ever been. I mean, as a child, I, I did a lot a lot of activities. Um, gymnastics being one of them where you have to be flexible. Oh, there you go. Um, but I never ever got my splits. As a child, it's only from doing aerial mm. and doing stretch um, stretch classes that I, i I can now do the splits. And I think at age, I think I was 38 was the first time ever I could, I've done the splits and I'm really proud of that. <laughs> oh my God. That's so inspirational for all those
0: adult aerialists out there who start as adults, because you can't go back. You can't start aerialists as, as a 10 year old yeah. when you're already 38. <laughs> so, you know, you gotta, you gotta start with where, what you have. I love the story. So you had gymnastics, so do you feel like you had a little bit of a base like just muscle memory wise going in yeah. when you first started or did you feel like no that didn't help?
1: Yeah, no, I do I do feel that um if you've had the muscles before, you your body your body knows that and you definitely do build them back um a lot easier than building them from nothing. Um, I think swimming definitely helped because it's with swimming, you have strong shoulders um, and a strong back. So that's definitely helped me with with my strength, um, particularly with the silks, (laughs) which is probably my my worst, um, my worst (laughs) apparatus.
0: Oh, silks is not your number one. What's your number one? What's your favorite? Hoop,
1: aerial hoop. I've set myself a challenge to become better at aerial silks for this year. I love it. I, I always have to do the opposite because my
0: primary is silks and it's not even better. It's I have to get on it more often. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah I just absolutely. have to get on it more often. Yeah. Because then, you know, your hands are calloused up in the right way and it doesn't, you know, it. Yeah. you have to get yourself to that pain tolerance and then everything else is fine after that. Can we talk about your... Okay. I want to talk about your diastasis recti. Yeah. So after your second kid, you had, what is that called again, where there's too much fluid? Polyhydromnius. Polyhydromnius. I am not going to remember that (laughs) word, but so you had that. So after that, and then you had the C-section. So you're obviously recovering from the C-section. How much of a separation did they measure- when it was the biggest. So I don't know
1: about over there, but did
0: you it in fingers? So it was
1: four, yes, four yes. fingers. Yes, So it was. Oh,
0: you had a four finger separation. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's as much as they ever say it gets yeah. to. And then you had another kid. So tell me, did you do the physical therapy after the second,
1: before the third? Did you no. do it just after the third? The, the physio was after the third. Um, okay. And that okay. was when it was at, it, at its worst. Physi- the physio was brilliant. Um, it definitely worked. And again, it's it's kind of like working with your body. So people who've had children will probably be familiar with this but you, your stomach muscles tend to point up so if you were kind of doing a sit-up you'd get like a triangle pooch on your stomach um, and that's what you're trying to avoid Do, doing sit-ups is that is actually well, what I was told is that, that that's not great when your stomach muscles are separated because it can actually make it worse and so you're kind of working the opposite way. So rather than being on, on your back with your legs in the air doing the crunches, you're on your hands and knees, and you and you're kind of pushing your foot up to the ceiling um, and working the stomach muscles in a different way that isn't going to exasperate that separation, um, and it's going to build the muscles to pull it back together. Um, so it's just obviously with with any rehab, it's just doing it. Um, making sure that you do it on a regular basis. Um, and it, it, it definitely does improve. I, I think I still have a little tiny bit of a separation and I do have to be really careful with with crunches. Um, but I can do it and, and I can keep my stomach flat. When I get tired, I notice it starts to kind of bulge out in the middle and that's when I know to stop. So it's just about finding the right exercises um mm-hmm. and and doing them and it brings everything back together and I'm probably stronger now than i've than I've ever been, um especially with my my abs, like I said, I don't think I ever had abdominal muscles <laughs> um, so yeah, there's hope for anybody, yeah, did you also have any pelvic floor issues associated? They did give me pelvic floor issues uh, issues exercises to do at rehab. Um, but no, not really. I was, I was quite lucky in that respect. Yeah. You know,
0: I actually just, I've been, I've been talking about this on the podcast a lot. So here's the update. Basically I went, I've been having like right hip issues. Like it just feels like I had a torn labrum at some point that I never knew about. Mm -hmm. It's just like chronically kind of giving me trouble. So I got an x-ray, found out that I have a shallow socket on my right side. And that apparently can just lead to some pain. So shallow socket, meaning like the socket is not as deep as it should be. Yeah. And then I have some pelvic floor issues. Like I pee a little bit when I cough and it's been two years since my baby was born. So I just started physical therapy a couple weeks ago. And between the first session and the second one, because I had them like about two and a half weeks apart, it was just the scheduling my incontinence is gone out of for in two weeks. That's amazing. And I was not Yeah, It's really good. And I wasn't even like completely following all of her directions. Like I, she asked me, I was like, okay, this is not going to happen three times a day. She asked me to do one of the exercises three times a day. And I was like, oh my God, if I do it once a day, you know, I've got a toddler and I work full time. I'm just like, okay, that's <laughs> unrealistic. But so, but I would only do it once a day, but once a day for, you know, every single day. And I'm shocked at how fast that happened.
1: Yeah, that is, that you is know? really fast.
0: It's really fast. I'm not saying other women would have the same experience, but so now she's kind of upping my exercises. She makes me do this, you know, basically the pelvic floor contraction. And then the, she wants me to like pull my DR together because I have a, about an, uh, a finger separation mm-hmm. still. And so she wants me to like draw in my rect you know my rectus and then also bring in and up with my pelvic floor. So doing it in a bridge or just doing it laying down, I'm like I totally got this. Like she put the um those little electrode thing on so like it would go in the machine and like show my contraction. I don't know if you ever were given that. Anyways. No. So she put that on me. It's just like, you know, those little electrodes. So she puts it on either side of your butthole <laughs> and then like on the hip and stuff. And it, and it, and she makes you do the exercises and that the computer shows you your, um, you know, on the, on the chart, on the
1: graph. Oh, I think you're yeah. a lot more advanced than we are in that department. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, com- the computer it's on is
0: like a PC and it looks so old compared to like a, you know, like my Mac at home. But anyway, so it's showing me the line. I'm like, this is really hilarious for my perfectionism because I'm like trying to hit like the highest amount on the graph. Like I just, you know, I'm a perfectionist. I'm like, okay, this is probably not so healthy for me. But so she had me do all the exercises that she was already, I had already been practicing for two and a half weeks and those are great. Then she asked me laying on my back to bring my leg up just raise my leg. And then as I do a, a leg circle, like in Pilates to squeeze my pelvic floor and then release on each circle. I couldn't do it. Yeah. Like I couldn't do it. So I think to myself because my straddles have been, I've, I've realized that I've just been compensating with my hip flexors and my, my hip flexors basically. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm trying to regress my straddle so that I can do it with the coordination of the pelvic floor because it hasn't been participating. And basically with a hundred percent concentration, I can't even get my pelvic floor to turn on with a small unweighted leg circle. So there's no way it's working when I'm doing an inversion in the air. Yeah. I don't know if I, I, I thank you for listening to my story, Nikki. <laughs> but yeah so this is like I'm experiencing this right now
1: I'm giving it a go right now (laughs) are you trying I'm trying it (laughs) are are you on the ground or are you just sitting in your chair I'm in my chair I'm I'm straddling trying is that is it hard it is hard (laughs) no right it is hard
0: right it is really hard and then then you know she's asking me to like do it with breath and then do it without breath so like coordinated breath versus just do it. Right. I was like, you know, I'm coordinated. I can do a lot of things at the same time. I'm a dancer. I, I'm like, I have to like, I was like squeezing my eyes shut, trying to get this graph to like light up and like turn everything on the right place while doing a small leg circle. And my body was like,
1: no. Squeezing everything you've got, trying to get the right place. Yes.
0: Yes. I was like squeezing
1: my fist, (laughs) squeezing my eyes.
0: (laughs) I was like, oh my God, I'm so, I'm so grateful for this, for this physio because, you know, it's really easy to do any movement that we want to do. We can just, our body just makes it happen. Doesn't mean that you're using the right muscles.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Right. it, It was the same with, um, the physio. It's about, Isolating and, and learning about yes. which muscles move which part and how to use them effectively. Yes. And as a postpartum woman
0: aerialist, I think to myself, how many women out there are doing their straddle and the entire pelvic floor isn't participating and they would have, no, they, they have no idea, basically? No, I wouldn't. No idea. No. And and then I see some of my younger students who straddle so effortlessly. And it's very obvious to me that their their whole system is participating and they just it's it's doing it without their consent or control. They're, you know, it's just working like it should. Yeah. But then the moment, you know, you have a baby or two or three and everything gets disconnected, you have to consciously Put it back together, unless you're lucky and it just kind of does it itself.
1: Mm.
0: Which mine, di- which mine did not. Even though I didn't have a vaginal birth, I had a C-section as well. But enough things got disconnected. Enough weight going into my pelvic floor during the pregnancy. Did you feel that during your pregnancy? Did you have any like pubic symphysis or 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 any prolapse or anything because
1: you had such weight in yeah, your belly? Do you know what? I'd forgotten about that. Actually, I did actually have a prolapse after my first. Um, after your first. first yeah so I've I think I've probably kind of worked on my pelvic floor quite a lot since then um and it is something I'm always conscious of um and I will do my exercises whilst driving or in the shower or try and do them as much as possible so that um I was I was able to kind of get away with it. It wasn't too bad. Um, I didn't need any, any medical intervention. It was just a case of do, do the exercises, um, and see how you go. What was your, do you remember the grade?
0: Don't they do grades like one, two, three, four in America? I think, um, no, I I don't, it wasn't too bad. Okay. Um, the physical therapist I talked to about this on the podcast, she said, average women have a one or two there's very few three and four grade level prolapse did it what did it feel like
1: to you did it just feel like you're you're heavy I thought what is that there that shouldn't be there (laughs) (laughs) that's amazing (laughs) I'd never heard of it before I had no idea this could happen (laughs) so oh
0: my god I, I love this and is it the, not that you had prolapse, but the way you're telling the story um is it the same exercises that my doctor's basically having me do where you're just pulling it using breath work yeah just pull, and movement at the pull, same time pulling it,
1: pulling everything in not the movement no um that's that's probably more advanced to be honest um it's yeah just kind of pulling everything in, squeezing everything in, um, doing repetitions. Um, And yeah, I think they advised me three times a day. Um, But whenever I remember.
0: Basically, and I feel like that would have been more possible three times a day might have been more possible for me when I was when she was really little, maybe because that's all I was doing. I wasn't back to work. I wasn't, you know, teaching classes. I wasn't running around and it was a pandemic too when she was younger. So I was at home all the time, but, um, the other interesting exercise that she had me start yesterday was a side plank on my, but not on the feet and elbow, elbow and knees. So you're like half a lever and basically doing a clam. So you keep the feet together and you open the knees wide. And then as you open the knees and engage your glutes, you also engage the entire pelvic floor
1: and then draw in the rectus. And I couldn't do it that either. I was going to say how is that because it's a similar movement isn't it where your legs are apart. It's a lot easier when they're together.
0: Well, I feel like the easiest time for me to do these exercises is in a cat cow, which makes sense. Like yes. if I if I do a movement at all, it's the best in the cat cow. This clam situation, I was like, "Oh my god." Like I can do the clam, obviously, but like doing it with the electrodes on and like lighting up the, the computer screen, like I was supposed to, it was so hard. Did did
1: you manage to light it It was so hard. At all?
0: A little bit, but like compared to like the contractions that I was doing when I was on my back and I was just, I had practiced all week or two weeks and like, you know, it would go all the way up on the chart. And then when I rested, it would go all the way down because we're also seeing if I can relax. Right. Yeah. I'm doing both. So it would go way up and then way down. And then when I'm doing this, these new exercises that she's given me, it would just like, <laughs> it's <laughs> just like tiny, super, super tiny. So um, it's like, it is there. It is there. I can see it. But then even the, <laughs> even the relax isn't there because I'm also like in this place where I can't control either side of it. Yeah. So I was like, oh my God, this is so worth, this is so worth it. This is so worth it. Because my straddle is well, my straddle—I'm regressing my straddle, so my straddle's not great right now. It's really hard to watch my. St- I have to go back. I'm really proud of my students, but not being able to straddle and then they can effortlessly—yeah—it makes me sad. <laughs> you get there, and slightly embarrassed, but not really embarrassed in a way that's like I don't want them to see me because that's not true either.
1: Yeah, you. I don't know. You, you, I'm to the teacher, you, you know? The... <laughs> Thanks, Nikki. It's just it is so, isn't it? It's just <laughs> it's just repetition yeah. and, and just yeah. going over it and look at what the progress that you made in two and a half weeks. Absolutely. And then but then I look at my friends
0: who have also had babies and they don't have this issue. I'm like, oh shoot, I wish that I didn't have this issue. But then, you know, they're bigger fish to fry in life and it's not a big deal. I talk about this every week, Nikki. I talk about my inversion. <laughs> Every week, it's like my inversion therapy for my soul. Yeah. So, (laughs) (laughs) but what I love about your post that you put up is basically you showed a picture of you in your second pregnancy and then you in a performance picture after and you're so strong. And I just feel like this is such an inspirational story for women out there who are maybe in the thick of it. Yeah. Are muddling through it um and then you getting your splits after all these years i think a lot of women might just feel like it's not attainable absolutely and
1: for anybody yeah. who's probably been an aerialist before or or even a performer and then you have you have that break because of the pregnancy and all the changes that it happens with your body it it must be kind of really worrying and you thinking about will i ever get back to where i was Absolutely, you can 100% get back to where you were and even improve. If I can do it, who'd got no experience um, and done things with my body that I've never done before in my life at the age of 38, after three kids, I can now do the splits. You can definitely get back to where you were and more. The human body is an amazing thing
0: Oh, I love it. And not only did you have the three kids, but then you're also taking care of them. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. So it's not like you have tons of time on your hands. No. You did it anyway. Yeah. This is so inspirational. Nikki, I love this story so much. Oh, thank you. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. Do you have any advice for ladies out there who
1: might want to start an aerial practice after having kids? Yeah, just go for it. Um... Like I said before, it's like you need time for you, and one of the things that I've kind of found with Ariel is, as as a mum, as someone who's really busy, who's might be doing the school run or preparing meals, uh, making sure you're running around after your toddler all day. Um, we're really busy. Um, we're we're all really busy. Anybody with children is busy. We're tired. Um, we've got a hundred things to do, to plan, to sort out. And when you go to aerial, you don't have time to think about any of that because you're too busy thinking about holding on and where your foot's going and where your hand's going. And can I make this move look even more pretty? Can I stretch it a little bit further? Please don't let me fall off. So you, you can't concentrate on anything else, and anything, any worry that you've got, any anything that's going on in your mind is mm. is gone for that moment while you're in the air.
0: Oh my God, Nikki, you're just a blessing and a joy. Thank you, because <laughs> it's true. A- Ariel's one of those things. It's always been the case for me. Nothing else is true in my life. You know, even in yoga, my mind can go to a million things. In your in the air. I've never been able to think about anything else. And it's such a blessing because it, you know, how many activities are there out there that that's true for? Yeah, absolutely. You know, maybe, maybe like my friend says, uh, she's also a horseback rider. She says for horseback riding and aerial, because your life's on the line. <laughs> absolutely.
1: And and even more yeah. so when you're upside down, cause then you've got to th- th- think and Think about where you are upside down and where left and right is and <laughs> where up up and down is.
0: <laughs> I still have my adult students who've been taking from me for five, six years and they still get up there when it's a new choreography. No idea what left or right is, yeah. and I'm just like, Are we still there? Are we <laughs> it's so true? Apparently, yes, <laughs> yeah, 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 it's so true. And I'm just like, Oh my goodness, I have job security with these students. That's what I always say to them, and then they giggle, <laughs> and then I say, I'm joking, and then I say, I'm no, I'm not really joking. So, um, Nikki, thank you so much for carving out time. I feel like number one. I'm so excited to like go outside the boundary of America. I feel like the worldwide community is absolutely worldwide
1: and I want to get. Absolutely. And the, the, the aerial world is, is just, it is worldwide and everybody yeah. is so lovely and supportive and with, with all the kind of groups and networks that are out there and, just go into a class. I've, I've found just everybody is, is amazing. You're amazing people.
0: Yeah, and what I've learned doing this podcast is that I have more in common with every single woman I talk to. Yeah, than 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 any other. You know, I have so much in common. We have this. We have similar lifestyles. We go through similar struggles. We have we obsess about similar things. (laughs) So it's wonderful. It's like, we have such a, you know, like we're women, women in arms and we understand, we, we understand each other. So it's wonderful. Uh, thank you, Nikki, for being here. Thank you so much, Carrie. Thanks so much to Nikki for joining me all the way from the UK. I love your voice. I said it a million times while we were talking, but I love it. And thanks to Asa Watkins for post-production and music. If you go to the show notes, there's a link there for the free mini course by Wrap Your Head Around Silks. Go check it out if you are interested. And if you would honor me with a five-star rating and review anywhere you get your podcasts. And if you'd like to be on the podcast, go ahead and email me at Carrie at wrap your head around silks. Dot com. Thank you so much for being here. This is the Expecting podcast.
1: Can you say thank
0: you? A little louder, thank Bean. Bean. Little louder. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Can you say check, check, one, two, three? Check, check, one, two.
1: Three. That's very good. That's very good.